It's really good to be here, and I'm glad you're here. And I hope by the end of my talk, you were still glad you're here, um, that you're glad you're here. Um, I'd like to take a few moments to tell you a little bit about myself. My wife, Cindy, who's on the front row here, we live in Diamond Bar, which is 30 miles east of L.A. This is about 60 miles east, so we're about halfway to L.A. from here. And um, we arrived in Diamond Bar in 1987 to plant what became Church in the Valley. Uh, here's a picture of Cindy and I at our daughter's wedding, uh, one of the very few times I've ever danced in my life, under 10 times, I'm pretty sure. So I've done the world a favor there, tried not to dance too much. Um, we have two children, our son Thad. Uh, serves on staff with me at Church of the Valley. He's 32. He's married to Gina. And uh, I think there's a picture of them there. They have four children. Thad worked in business for five years after he graduated from college with a business degree emphasizing administration, management. Um, He's now on full-time staff as our administrative pastor. Our daughter, Lindsay, Uh, just got married, as I mentioned, the the dancing thing. She just got married uh, July 8th. Uh, She's 27. Her husband, Luke, works for Bell Helicopter in the area where they train people. If you buy a helicopter, they'll train you, which concerns me a little bit because you'd think you'd know how to fly one before you bought it. But anyway, they do a little extra training there. Lindsay works for the 17.6 network of churches, which we're talking about in this series, which you're getting more exposure to. Uh, She's the program administrator for our training programs. And so what's interesting is I'm the director of the 17.6 network, so both my kids work for me. That's something you can't pull off. Uh, First of all, they have to want to. So. But anyway, here's a picture of our family at our church's 30th anniversary, September 17th. Um, You all sent a crew crew to help with uh, taking care of the little ones, the the toddlers and babies, and I really appreciate that at this event. So there was a a crew there. Um, Here's uh, – that's the whole family. Here's a pic picture of our grandkids at the hospital of the newest who was born in August. Uh, on the left is Jeremy. Uh, actually, on the right, we'll start at the right. Blake's the oldest, and, and Jeremy's next in age to him. Ellie, the lady among men. Um, and then Joshua Barrett, JB. And so uh, you you may... I did this in the first service, too. I have to tell you, whenever I share something that means a lot to me or I'm very grateful for, I cry. So what can I say? But I decided I I wanted to tell you about this uh, anyway, whether I'm going to cry like a baby or not. Um, Anyway, Joshua, there's no coincidence that Joshua is the name of the pastor of Orange Crest. Um, And I want to tell you that if if you're if you're just coming around uh, Orange Crest Church or you've been apart for a while, you have a very good man leading you. Um, Josh was my son Thad's youth pastor uh, for 
his entire high school years, and um, that was a very serious baseball player. If you're, if you're wanting to go to college, your junior season in high school is crucial to recruiting. Well, what happened is in the fall of Thad's junior year, he started having some problems. We thought it was his hip. turned out to be his back. And he needed major back surgery. He was going to be out for his junior season. And I was watching all this, and I was okay with him not playing baseball. I just wanted him to be okay. I wanted him to have a back that would last his entire life. Um, but I was watching to see what, how he would respond to God in the middle of this trouble. And uh, the day that we found out the final verdict from the doctor that he was going to miss his junior year in baseball, he went home, we went home, he crawled in bed, pulled the cover over his eyes, and, and just laid there. I thought, oh boy. So I called Josh and I said, hey Josh, this is what just happened. We found out from the doctor, Thad's out for the season. If you have some time this week and can come by and just talk to Thad, that I'd really appreciate it. So... The way Josh is, he came right over. <laughs> and he told Thad, he said, Thad, you know, you're, you've identified as a Christ follower among your friends at school. And he said, there are a lot of people watching you right now, and they're, they're asking the question, is Thad's faith real? So they're, they want to see what you're made of and whether, how you're going to respond to this. And that, that challenge really spurred that on. He got out of bed. He uh, never turned back, really. And God used that whole process to call Thad into the ministry. He redirected his life through that. That happened sometimes. He came back and played baseball. He was still a prospect and still doing pretty good. His back wouldn't have lasted very long. Uh, but he, he just went a different direction from that point forward. So, Josh, this is the kind of guy Josh is. He's very discerning. He has a heart for people. He loves God. He loves people. If there's a need that he can meet, he's going to try to do it within his ability. So, anyway, enough about that because I'll keep crying like a baby. I don't want to do that. Um, But I, I really appreciate, Josh, you have a very good man leading you here. Uh, my wife, Cindy, and I started Church in the Valley in 1987. As I said, four congregations have started out of ours, including this one. Um, we have a fifth that's going to start in August of 2018 in Fontana, in the northern part of Fontana. It's one of the fastest growing areas in the Inland Empire. So we're going to plant there. Uh, Alex Barrett's going to go out and plant that church. We worship at the Diamond Bar Center in Diamond Bar, similar to this, uh, to this place here. Uh, here's a picture of our 30th anniversary celebration. Um, two years ago, we decided that it was time, after 28 years of existence as a church, to start a building and expansion fund. And so uh, we've begun the search for a more permanent location. That, in my experience, is 
as churches start looking for property, it takes it takes a while. It's not it's not just you go out shopping like you pull a piece of property off the shelf and you know you start using it. So it's it's a process. So we're two years into it. We started raising some money for it. And uh, what's interesting is we've been setting up and tearing down for 30 years. You know, we come in on Sunday, swoop in, set up, tear down, church in a box for 30 years. We had some church property guys there, our commercial brokers, to help us find property. And they came in and they, they were blown away that we'd been doing that for 30 years. I think it's some kind of record. 30 years, setting up to tearing down. So we have a very good crew. They have a great attitude. They come in and do it. But one of the things that God, God is showing us in one of the leadings that we have had and what we think God is up to is we want to move to the Ontario Ranch area uh, that is a new area. It's about 12 miles east of us. If we move there, then we're going to be in the middle of most of our members and their friends. Uh, Diamond Bar is a more expensive area. That area is more affordable. We have a ton of young families in the church, and so if we move there, we're going to be in the middle. The other thing about that area is it's going to be, here's a picture of a sign, uh, future home to 150,000 residents. They're supposed to build 47,000 homes in that area. It's all dairy land right now, so it's, there's no infrastructure. It's just dairy, a bunch of cows. They have to be out in about a year. But anyway, that's uh, the cows. Cows do. <laughs> um, anyway, that, that spells tremendous amount of opportunity if, if we get out there and be a, be a church for those folks. People like the new things. And so moving in a new area opens them up to that. So we're hoping to move there. Uh, we'll see what God says about that. I believe he'll, he will do exactly what he wants to do, which is what God does. And it's always good. It is. Um, so just a little background on me, enough about me. Let's talk about us. That's, we're talking about teaming together in this series. Um, and teaming on several level, levels to do God's work in the world. Um, God could do his work any way that he wanted to. But what he's done is he's chosen to use individual believers who team together in the context of a church community to get his work done. A friend of mine says, when God works, his people get blisters. That's the way it is. That's the way it works. So we're teaming together. We're emphasizing it in this series and highlighting the importance of individual Christ followers teaming with other Christ followers in the church to do God's work. And we're also talking and showing you, we're kind of letting you see a little broader picture of how this church and several other churches are teaming together to get more done together than we could accomplish alone. In team sports... It's crucial to be able to identify who belongs to which team, especially if they're on the field or the court or whatever it is they're playing on. And uh, here's a little, I don't, I don't know if it's a test, but here's a picture of a uniform. You know who that belongs to? UCLA, right, right? Blue, Baby blue and gold. Um, and then here's another picture of another uniform. USC, right? 
This one's going to be easy because it has their name on the front. Look at this. That's easy. You can read, I'm sure. Um, and then here's another one, and that pains me to show that picture. That's pain. That's a painful picture right there. They were so close. Um, why don't teams mix it up a little? You know, I don't want to wear blue today. I'm going to go with orange. Or, I, you know, I just, kaleidoscope would be awesome. Wouldn't it be, I, I just want to wear kind of a kaleidoscope of colors today. That would be great. Uh, the reason is team colors establish identity. When you wear certain colors, people can see which team you're on. That's important. That's very helpful. Teams, teams don't just mix it up because they want to show which team they're on. The colors mean something. In the same way, a Christ follower publicly identifies as a member of Jesus' team. It's important. If you're going to be on a team, there must be a way for others to know you're a part of that team. If you put on a uniform, it shows the team you're on. That's why it's so important to let your family and friends know that you're a Christ follower. You're just letting them know which team you're on. I'm on Jesus' team. I, I let my friends at work know, my friends in the neighborhood, uh, my, my uh, extended family. I just identify. I, just, I, I identify as a member of Jesus' team, and that's important. It's so important that Jesus said this about it, Matthew 10. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. This is what baptism is about. It, it's one reason Jesus commanded us to be baptized after we decided to follow Christ is so that we could identify with him. It's a public way that we identify as a follower of Jesus Christ. And if we identify with Jesus at work and in our neighborhood and with our friends and extended family, then um, what, what happens is there's a little less wiggle room in our actions and attitudes and words that we choose because we want to represent well. So it's important to identify which team you're on. To let people know. And if we represent well, our family and friends could be drawn toward Christ to investigate what it means to follow him, not repelled. So we want to identify with Christ, not in an obnoxious way. You know, don't, don't, don't have to be obnoxious about it. Just let people know, hey, I'm a Christ follower somehow. You know, let them know you're praying for them. Let them know you went to church this week. You know, however... That way, if they're, they know which team you're on, and if they're curious about following Christ, they can ask you. Um, if you join the USC football team, you aren't the first one to be a part of that team. You're stepping into a long tradition of team members. They've come before you, and some will come after you. And the colors you wear link you to the tradition. This adds meaning to being a Trojan or a Bruin or a Laker or a Dodger. That, that sense of tradition, the flow, it's, it's very, very important. 
Real people have put on that uniform. They've worn those colors. That adds a richness to what it means to be a part of that team. And it's this reality that spurs you on to live up the, to the best of those who've come before you and to set the pace for everyone who will come after you. Those aren't just colors. They, they point to a team, to an identity. Some people, you, you show a picture of a USC football team, man, they'll break down in tears. I'm not going to cry over that. I'll cry over other stuff. <laughs> but I'm not going to cry over that. But, man, you, oh, it's our team. Those are our guys. Let's go for it. Teams are serious about their colors. So what's a Christ follower's uniform? How, what identifies us as a member of Jesus' team? Our identifying mark is not a color. It's an action. The captain of our team, Jesus Christ, commanded us to do this in some of his last words to his followers. And you find out our colors are not a, our uniform is not a color. It's a mission. This is what he says in Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The identifying mark of a disciple, a follower of Christ, is obedience to his commands. Baptism is the first step of many steps that we take simply because it's what Jesus would want us to do. It's what Jesus commanded us to do. And if you, if you choose the attitudes that please him, you live in the way that pleases him, you relate to others in those ways, then what happens is people begin if people have been around other Christians, they begin to identify you. There's a certain flavor. There's a taste that believers leave in the mouth of the people that they're relating to and around that is the, it's the same. It identifies us because we're trying to live like Jesus would live in our skin. We're trying to do what would please him. Our ultimate allegiance is to Jesus Christ. People can see we're a part of his team when we take on his character, choose his attitudes. We use the words and actions that would please him. After you decide to follow Christ, he puts you on the team and he gives you a goal. He puts you in the team of the church body and he gives you a goal to accomplish his mission together. There is nothing more significant than working on Jesus' team. Nothing. Because what it, what it has, as we work together here in, in church life, as you work in this church body and you pull together to accomplish the mission Jesus gave us of making disciples, there's an eternal edge to that mission. It's of eternal significance. Because what happens at the moment that somebody decides to follow Christ, they give their life to follow Christ, he becomes their boss. Their eternal destiny is changed in that moment. 
So what we're doing here has eternal significance to it. It really matters. What a privilege to team together in church life to do something with that kind of significance. It's crucial. One way we team together is by serving in a local church. If you're serving here, your part that you play is contributing to something really important, making disciples. We can do more teaming together than we can separate. That's the way it is. If, if you get in a church body, your family, you can parent better if you'll just, if you'll just listen and learn from the people around you and you get into scripture and you try to figure out what it means for parenting, you can you can work better. You can you you can just grow better in a church body than you can separate from the body because what body parts, you know, if I if if my finger gets cut off and lays there, it's gonna die. That's what happens. It shrivels up. So we we do better together then we do a part, and we can accomplish so much more than trying to pull life off alone. That's true for individuals, but it's the same for churches. In our 17-6 network of churches, we're experiencing the reality that we can do more together than we can alone. We're pulling together to accomplish some giant goals, some things that we we're asking God to, to use us to do. Teams working together compound effectiveness. You see this in Philemon 6, verse 6 of Philemon. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. I'd like to just look at the, the meaning of some of those words. They were originally written in Greek, and I'd like to just unfold the meaning of, of some of those words for you. Partnership is the word koinonia. It's translated fellowship sometimes. But it it literally means mutual reciprocity. So I serve you, you serve me, I give to you, you give to me. There's this give and receive between us. That's the idea of partnership here. And the pastors in our network are setting out to accomplish together what we couldn't alone. And we're, we're trying to look to the interests of each of our church bodies. And that strengthens us. It develops us as pastors. And one of the things we're trying to do in our network is we're trying to develop across our churches cohorts of people at both the pastoral, vocational ministry level, cohorts of pastors and staff, and then also cohorts of lay persons who are teaming together in life. And there's a strengthening to that as we serve together. The passage says it makes us, this partnership makes us effective. And the word is energas, energy. The idea is that the partnership infuses energy into our growth and has a compounding effect. That's the idea of the whole, the whole word. There's a lot more... Often in Greek, the words kind of have a lot more meaning than our English words that we use to translate them. And it's like this, this energy that comes in and has a compounding effect on our understanding. 
And the word for understanding is epinosis, which means to recognize. And the idea is this. When you do things together and in the church body as an individual believer or among churches who are working together to accomplish a big goal, what happens is you see things that you wouldn't see otherwise about following Christ, about living out his commands in family life, in work, at work, in your neighborhood, among your friends. You see things that you, you, you wouldn't see otherwise as you come together. It is, it is, it, it's kind of a lot of work, though, isn't it, to team up? But let me tell you, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's where the action is. <laughs> this, is this has a compounding effect, and it helps us to do more together than we could ever do alone. As a network of churches, we're working together. And here's a brief overview of our vision and our mission as a network. Our vision is to see life-changing churches multiplying throughout the cities of the world. That's, that's our vision. That's what we'd like to see God use us to do. By life-changing churches, we mean something specific. Uh, we we want to have a church, and what we mean by that is, we want to have a church culture, so the environment that each of our churches has, as you step into it, we want, we want you to be drawn toward God's values, the things that are important to God. That's, that's what we're hoping to develop in a life-changing church. Um, every group, every organization, it has values, and when you step into it, they tend to rub off on you. And what we hope to do is be churches who are like a river that draw you, the current of being involved draws you toward the things that are important to God. Living those out, giving yourself to, to make those things happen. Um, so the core of a life-changing church is the culture that shapes God's values and the values that are in his kingdom in the people who participate in that church. This takes concerted, concentrated effort to figure out how to develop this kind of church. And so uh, a culture that shapes God's values and the people involved shows up in two ways, the way we relate and the way we work together. Uh, so to this end, we have a set of values that we all work toward. There are some relational values. We call them the hard attitudes. Um, I'm going to put the goals and interests of others above my own, live an honest and open life. I'm going to give and receive scriptural correction. I'm going to clear up my relationships. When my relationships get messed up, I'm going to ask forgiveness. I'm going, to, I'm going to get it straightened out. And if you do those four things, there's seven hard attitudes, but if you do those four, those are the first four, then you can work as a team. You can keep relating together and enjoy one another because you've, forgiven and you've been forgiven so there there's this give and take that happens there another set of values we relate to or use as we work together as churches our personal and project values faith humility teachability patience the value of people buying up the opportunity doing things with excellence we have a team spirit that we're trying to create cohesive inclusive can-do attitude. 
We're trying to get after these things. So as a network, we're working together to sharpen one another in developing our church cultures to embody these values. We want, we want to fulfill our vision as a network by accomplishing our mission. Our mission is to equip and resource leaders to develop and multiply life-changing churches. Leaders carry the culture in any organization, but especially in the church. So starting with staff. So what we're doing is we're designing training programs. It's one of the things we're doing to help develop leaders and members of churches who embody the values that we just described. Our newest program is Horizon. Maybe you've participated in one of these programs. Uh, Horizon was created to help strengthen the people in it, their relationship with God, to learn more about the hard attitudes and God's purpose for the church. Here's a picture of the Horizon Train the Trainer, where all all the pastors and the staff who are going to lead this program were together to learn how to do it. North Star Star is an entry-level two-year training program for lay leaders. It's being used at all of the churches in the 17-6 network. Um, here's a picture of the North Star training trainer just coming together. North Star is designed to help you learn how to handle, how to read and accurately interpret the Bible and deal with it. The Antioch Project is a five-year intensive and intentional ministry training program we offer for men and women who believe God is calling them to vocational ministry. It's graduate-level work. There's one campus at Hope Church in Fort Worth, which all of the churches come out of, and then uh, there's one here in Southern California. And there are uh, three, there are four churches who team together to train people in the Antioch Project. Here's, here's a, we just had our first graduation. Here's a picture of the first graduation. You probably recognize some of those folks. But the pastors you're hearing from in this series, we work together to train the students in the Antioch Project here in Southern California. Um, a part of Harold Bullock's vision, and I think you heard from him last week, he, there was a little video that he shared, a part of his vision, um, he's the pastor of Hope Church in Fort Worth. He's, he's the mentor to many of us in the network. He's the founder of the network. But anyway, early on, his vision was to uh, create a, a seminary sort of graduate level training program for people who are interested in going into the ministry. And I heard about that. I just turned 60. So the first time I heard about that was about almost 40 years ago. And I thought, well, that, that's, that's a good idea. How in the world is that ever going to happen? <laughs> that's me of little faith. In August of 2015, we signed an agreement with Northwest Baptist Seminary, and it allows you to go through Antioch Project and receive a full, fully accredited Master of Divinity degree. Here's... Here's a picture of the first graduation. Things don't happen fast. That was 40 years ago. This is in the mind of Harold, and, and God had to put some things together to make that happen. That just, it just doesn't go like that. What really matters takes time. 
So basically, the 17.6 network is based on the, the name comes from Acts 17.6. Josh may have men- mentioned this last week. But it says, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And we would like to be, if God would allow, men and women who turn the world right side up, basically. If you turn the world upside down the way it is now, it's right side up. I think of the picture as you get into Scripture, that's what God's trying to do. He's trying to get our minds and our hearts right side up or upside down to native tendencies. I, I, I think of the box, you know, a box, a moving box, fragile, this side up with the arrow. That's what the Bible does. It shows us which side is up and, and it helps us. So our goal as a network is to have influence in our world. Uh, future plans include developing a cutting-edge school that would train and encourage parents to raise kids who embody the values that are important to God. And, solid, and Lord willing, they solidify into character that pleases him um, and provides the parents and the kids a cohort to, to, to work with and grow with and walk through life with. We're also trying to build bridges. Here's a picture of the homepage of our website. This proves that we're legitimate. We have, we have a website. <laughs> um, it, honestly, it takes more than that, doesn't it? But I like the picture on the page there. The peers of the bridge represent the individual pastors and their churches. Alone, they can have an impact in a specific geographical location. But together, we can build a bridge to go places we cannot go alone. So the pastors in the network are pooling resources, time, money, energy to build bridges, to go to places in the world and places in ministry that we couldn't go alone. We're working together to extend our network. One of the things we're doing is trying to translate uh, North Star into Thai. We have a friend in Bangkok, Thailand, who is... Uh, he sees a gap in the leadership training there in Thailand, and he wants to use North Star to help get the, the leaders grounded and moving on. That's the, the picture of the North Star logo in Thai. I can't read it. Uh, maybe you can. I'm not sure. Uh, we're building bridges to Germany and other places through friendships we all share. That's, that's a brief snapshot of the network that this church is a part of. It's a privilege to team up together. I, I, it's, I've, I'm really glad to be here this morning with you and show you that connection between several churches and the connection between this church and, and others. And I hope it's been encouraging to you. I hope, I hope it's been helpful to you. As I wrap up, I'd, I'd like to ask you to think through your next step. That's, that's what it is to follow Christ is. Our team... Our team uniform, obedience to his command, so we keep taking the next step to do what he wants. I have a couple of suggestions for you as the band gets ready to come up uh, of next steps that you could take. One of those would be identify with Christ in some way this week. Uh, at work, with friends, extended family. Just, just let them know somehow in some low-key way that you're a follower of Christ. You're going to wear the uniform. That will give you a little less wiggle room in the way you handle things. And then another one would be 
explore ways to work on the team of Orange Crest to accomplish its mission. I know it sounds like there's a preview coming up. That's one way to find out more about what's going on here, 101. There's other ways you could serve on a team. Explore ways to do that. That'd be great. I'd love for you to do that. Thanks for allowing me to speak to you this morning.